What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. It's Chrysomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, oh, with the powerful you. questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Welcome back to the show, and thank you for helping to put us on the Apple Top 200 just by listening each and every week. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online, and Ken Shamrock is such a legend, a WWF legend a UFC legend, and an Impact Wrestling legend. And with that said, he's a UFC Hall of Famer. He's an Impact Wrestling Hall of Famer, but still not a WWE Hall of Famer. At least not yet. Does he think that's ever going to happen? Hmm, we dig into that and a ton of your other great questions during this Q&A. And all the questions during this came from you during the live chat that we did on YouTube. And it's It's been such an interesting change for me doing these interviews through a computer screen, but I appreciate that you guys are with me on this ride. And man, so many people join this live chat. A few thousand people join this live chat on YouTube. And I'm glad that it gets to live here on the podcast as well. So you can check this out if you weren't able to listen to it live on YouTube. And I think that even if, you know, all few thousand of us were to try to take on Ken Shamrock in a fight, I think he would still find a way to win because... I mean, he's the world's most dangerous man. That's how good he is. Uh, More reviews for the show are coming in hot. I see the numbers, though. I know not everybody's listening on Apple Podcasts, but since Apple Podcasts is the only one with reviews, and since these reviews help the show to grow so much, I'll keep including them here. I'll keep reading them out on every single episode until we get to that specific goal of 1,000 reviews, which we will. We're going to get to that goal by the end of the year. As you know, vague goals get vague results. Specific goals get specific results. Thanks to Thunder Binky in the UK. What a, what a username. Thunder Binky for writing this. The title is Wrestling Interviews for Wrestlers and Fans Alike. And I normally say that reviews take like 27 seconds. This, was, this one's kind of long. This might have taken like three or four minutes. So thanks for taking the time out of your day. I listen to a lot of podcasts on my way to my day job and during work when I get the chance. I'm a driver. The vast majority of them are wrestling-related. There's different styles, formats, some work, and some don't. I discovered CBV on YouTube and quickly became a fan, and as soon as the podcast aired. CBV is so easy to listen to. The interviews all have something different to offer, as he always seems to cater the questions to the wrestlers while also letting them talk about themselves and their experiences. I find them fascinating how much some of them... 
Some of what they say sounds familiar to my experiences as a part-time wrestler myself based here in South Wales, UK. I'm Big D. Thunder Binky is Big D. There you go. I know how much those chops you got recently can sting and how much mine hurt, LOL. CVV is one of the best interviewers out there today in the podcast world. Please, 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 even in this difficult time, keep them coming, Chris. CVV is a class act. Well, you're a class act, Big D. I appreciate that. And yeah, the chops sting a little bit, but well worth it, I think. But to thank you for taking the time to make that interview. And uh, if you're like Thunder Binky, if you're like Big D, and you listen to a lot of episodes or you watch a lot of YouTube videos, you'll know that we had a one-on-one interview with Ken Shamrock not that long ago. It was in September in Las Vegas. That was me asking the questions. This one, though, it's all about you, and it's all about your questions, and they're wide-ranging. We get his thoughts on AEW, Conor McGregor, Khabib, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey. He talks about the WWE Hall of Fame and whether or not he thinks that he'll be inducted. There's a lot here, and I can't thank Ken enough and his manager, Jeremy Stratton, for making this happen. So please, enjoy it. It's the world's most dangerous man. It's Ken Shamrock. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, which I believe makes this the world's most dangerous live Q&A. Ken, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no worries. And also, uh, considering uh, some of the matches, one of the matches I got coming up, um, my nickname is going to be the Godfather of Pain. The Godfather of Pain. That's right. Uh, that, I don't know if that's better than the world's most dangerous man or not, though. I don't, but for this particular match with uh, Sammy, I think that's going to be appropriate. I like it. Look, you, you still look like you're in amazing shape, as always. How are you still working out with what's going on in the world? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, just like feeling everybody else's pain right now with everything going on in the world and being restricted from doing things and but really having an understanding of why they're happening. Um, I really try to find opportunities. Like, for instance, I don't know if people have read my book, you know, the Enter the Lion's Den or Lion's Den. <clears throat> a lot of push-ups, a lot of squats, <clears throat> a lot of surgical tubings. Um, so I make do, but just like I've expressed with some of my uh, fans there in Twitter and Facebook on how hard it is, though, to keep size yeah. when you're <clears throat> when you don't have the weights, you don't have the heavy weights to to lift to try to keep that size on. So, but you know, you 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 figure it out, you get it done, and um, you make do. You just you have to. So these questions are coming in right now. If you do have a question for Ken Shamrock, please put it in the chat here. We'll put it up on the screen. We're streaming live on YouTube and on Facebook right now. And uh, I guess we'll just get these, we'll get we'll get started right here. And uh, this one comes from Colton Dutcher, who says, who is your most toughest opponent in the cage, Ken Shamrock? Yeah, so when you talk about the world of MMA, um, it would, I mean, again, I had a lot of tough ones because remember, I didn't, when I first started, uh, I was over in Japan. And so I started not knowing uh, a whole lot, but I picked it up very quickly. But as soon as I got into the cage, um, I had fought Hoist. First, it was Patrick Smith, who was a kickboxing champion. And then it was Hoist Gracie, where I'd gotten caught with the, with the choke. 
Right. And since that time, I have either been main event or semi-main event. So I have always fought the tough guys, the best guys, the, 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 the top ranked guys ever since I stepped into the cage. So I fought a lot of tough guys in a lot of different situations. People would say, well, you think Royce Grace was tough? No. I think Royce Gracie was skilled. Royce Gracie had a lot of skills that could beat me. Mm -hmm. But as far as being tough, no. Um, I leave that to guys like uh, Don Fry, Mark Coleman, um, you know, guys that you just know, you just tough as nails and ornery. But Royce Gracie could beat all of us, right? right? Uh, when he comes into that ring and we ain't in our best. Yeah. So um, it's just a different mindset when you talk about the tough guys, the toughest sure. guys, most dangerous guys. So um, I would say I've really gotten into a ring with a lot of different guys that were definitely dangerous. Yeah. But at the same time, I got in with a lot of guys that had, you know, the, the best skills in the world. Where would Dan Severn be on that list? Yeah, Dan Severn was another tough guy. He was he was a tough guy. And he would throw you suplex on your head seven times in a row <laughs> and, and then go back for one more. Um, but yeah, so he, I, I would consider him a tough guy. You know, it's great to see you back in impact wrestling, which leads us to this question here from Brian M who says, what motivated you return to wrestling after decades away from the major promotions? Yeah, I would probably say when I stepped away, cause I was only out a year, uh, when I stepped away from MMA, cause I went out of pro wrestling in MMA. Um, and I, I, so I had stepped away and it was about a year and I just felt like, man, I can't live like this. I need, I need excitement. I need something to challenge me. Right. And so I said, you know, I'm gonna start training again. I'm gonna start getting back into the gym, get myself, you know, to see if I could get myself in a position to where I could actually wrestle and feel good about wrestling. And so I think it was probably a year or maybe a little less than a year. Um, I, felt pretty good yeah. i got in i started doing some practicing i was like wow I feel, this is i feel pretty good so i ended up doing a a, a, a little uh, one timer over in australia with battle championship wrestling mm -hmm. and i had a great match and i felt like wow i feel good so i went and did a few more over there and ended up capturing the tag team titles um and uh it was like i said it was one of those things where i really didn't know but when I first hit the ring, then I knew. And that's when I made the challenge on Twitter and Facebook that I was coming back because I felt really good about where I was at, how my body felt after taking a year off. Because I, since the time I was, oh, I would have to say 13 years old, I had always been training. I'd always been competing, whether it was in wrestling or whether it was in football or boxing or basketball. I was always competing from the time I was 13 years old. Till I was, what, uh, 50, I was actually 50, 52 years old when I stepped away from MMA. Wow. And it's amazing to think you're in your 50s. You look amazing. Yeah, well, I'm 56 right now, so I feel really good. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm 36, man. I really do. That's how old I am, and you look yeah. way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel good. We've got some super chats coming in here. Thank you to everyone for those. Thank you for joining us on the world's most dangerous live chat this is from bobby aj it's an interesting question does it feel weird holding back punches in wrestling when in actual fighting you have to go all out well i don't think so because uh 
I've been criticized a little bit because my sometimes I am a little stiff. Um, but for me, it's no different going in there and sparring with somebody in practice. You know, I'm not trying to knock them out, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to land them. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I go in to do pro wrestling, I'm going to land my punches. I'm not going to try to knock them out, you know, so I'll hit them in places where it won't, hopefully it won't knock them out, you know, where you don't hit them in the chin, you don't hit them in the nose, don't hit them in the eyes, you know, try to hit them in the forehead or the side of the head where the bone is a little bit thicker. Right. I'm wearing those MMA gloves. Um, so when I do hit them, it's not the knuckles that's that's popping them on the face or the forehead. Um, so, yeah, so for me, it's really about going in and just feeling like that I'm sparring. So uh, the guys that I work with, I always let them know, hey, you know, this is how I work. And, and they're most of them, at least uh, from my experience, all feel better about that than they do something that doesn't land. Um, hmm. So I, I feel I've, I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of guys, especially coming back in impact wrestling it feels like these guys are more like the attitude era where they're like dude you better hit me <laughs> I love that. yeah this one comes from ozzy who's watching in australia thank you ozzy thank you for being awake at four in the morning or whatever time it is there out of your three fights with tito ortiz which was your personal favorite and why none of them <laughs> none of them um I felt like with the Tito Ortiz, that was when I was at that that time where I had come back um, from uh, doing the pro wrestling, and I was going back into the MMA. I'd fought over in Japan. I went one and three in Japan. I won my first fight, and then I lost my next two. Um, there were some battles though, so uh, they weren't ones that I were weren't you know could have went either way. Um, but there were some great battles in in. in now, I'm not sure what company that was pride um, that I'd fought in. And so I had some great matches with Don Fry and one of the other Jap- big Japanese kids over there where we, we battled each other. And then I had some medical issues uh, that I had to deal with after that. But I had come back um, into the world of MMA and I wasn't I was still trying to find because I'd been out for so long, four, four, three or four years. I was trying to find out where I was at and I wasn't like I got a warm up thrown right into these big fights yeah um so i had to start right at the top again without any um warm-ups yeah so um it was it was, it was a tough go especially being as old as i was having to figure out the training the regiment how i could train i can't train every day i got to get my time to rest you know what kind of foods are going to work for me at being my age and being able to recover quicker so it was a lot of that stuff going on while i was still trying to fight um but um, you know, here's the thing. <clears throat> I think I was 40, 42 or something, uh, 40 and 42 when I fought Tito. Mm-hmm. And, and Tito was like 27 or something in his prime. Yeah. And pound for pound, the best fighter in the world. Um, he was just crushing everybody. There was no challenge for him. UFC was dying because they didn't have anybody there that was uh, challenging and, and exciting and a, and a face. So when I came back, I basically did it knowing that um, in my mind, I always felt I could win, but I knew it was an uphill battle because I'm fighting a guy that is literally one of the best. And even in my prime, um, we would have had great battles. Um, So I knew it was a very bad situation for me, but I did it for the sport. I did it for myself to challenge me 
And I, and I never step in the ring not knowing I can't win. I always felt I had a chance. And so going in there, you know, I felt like, you know, we could do something. But when you hit the ring and you start seeing the difference between somebody at a high level and somebody, you know, in the middle, um, still could compete in the middle, uh, you, could, you can actually see the guy who has the better skills that is going to win. And that was Tito. Tito was definitely somebody – in my opinion, it was one of the best at, at his weight class. And, and, and at that time, I think probably found, found the best fighter in the world. So it was definitely a challenge for me. But I wouldn't do I You know, I would go back and do it again because anytime anybody asked me if I want to fight, I'd say yes. Yeah. Well, they were entertaining fights. You're obviously a UFC <laughs> legend, UFC Hall of Famer. It's, it's a new class now, which leads us to this one from Dan Trower, 2507, who's in the UK. Thanks for being part of this. Thanks for the super chat, Dan. What do you think of Conor McGregor? I love him, man. I love him. I know a lot of people. I mean, I love him in the ring. I love him on interviews. I think he needs to be educated um, on our social media sites and our the way the world works today. That anything you do outside the ring is, is rep you represent something. And it can be easily taken away. Right. Um, we've seen it happen to Mike Tyson, you know, we've seen it happen to a lot of other people, man. And, and so, you know, during the time that I was fighting, um, we got away with a lot, um, uh, because we didn't have quite the presence on social media that we do now. We're young, um, you know, when we come in to fight and we've got the, the chance to be world champions and we have the world in our hands and we feel good. And, but um, the mistakes that are made can literally end your career. It can literally end you. Even stuff like John Jones, you know, it's 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 very sad because you got guys that are legitimately the best at what they do, and yet they go out and they don't understand the social media and how it can ruin you um, because of some dumb mistakes that you may make outside of the ring, not not in the profession. Because I think those guys have done a great job with interviews and and within the ring and all that other stuff. But your personal lives are now uh, at risk. Everything you do now is at risk. So I think just that education for, uh, for these guys to understand that, Hey, we, we live in a different world, man. And that everything you do, whether it's outside the fighting world or not, you represent something. And you, and so now the world has changed on you and you have to, to step up to that. Right. Well, this one, I, I don't know how you're going to answer this one. It's interesting. Alex Chu, who's in Mississauga, Ontario, says MMA greater than pro wrestling? Well, I wouldn't say greater. I would say that they're both very entertaining. And it's kind of like apple and oranges, right? You like apples, great. You like oranges, great. <laughs> don't hate me for not liking one or the other. You just like them. But if you like apples and oranges, then you've got more to, more to be entertained by. Right. Uh, so I just say, yeah, if you're a fan of both, man, you've got a lot to be happy about. I want to ask you about this one. I find this interesting. This is from NDR. Thank you for the super chat on here. Thank you for everyone who's asking these questions, hanging out with the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. What are your thoughts on Jim Cornette? NDR, <laughs> fan of him, and he has said nothing but good things about you, Ken. Yeah, I know that, man. And uh, that's funny, too, because I've I, – I, this, uh, he doesn't hurt, at least in my opinion, he, does, he doesn't hurt himself outside of pro wrestling. 
Like he seems to carry himself properly. He doesn't go out and do something dumb out in the media. Um, everything he does is within character of who he wants to be in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets people to hate him or he gets people to love him. Right. And to me, I think that he does a tremendous job at being able to carry his character. Even today, is, and, he, and he's, he's been in this business a long time, and he still he carries that over. He gets over, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, he carries that weight. So don't hate on him because he's good at what he does. There it is. <laughs> Beaner Andrew one thank you for the super chat, asks, do you feel like you get the credit you deserve for being a pioneer in MMA and pro wrestling, being the first crossover star? Well, I mean, I do. I, I mean, I don't, you know, it is what it is. I, 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 I don't, I, the one thing I don't understand is the WWF, you know, uh, it just seems, and maybe it's not, I don't know, but it just seems like I'm left out of a lot. They even put up on one of the magazines, the, the best um, finishing holds, submission finishing holds. And they had Kurt Angle on there with the ankle lock and i was like and he does and listen no 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 disc i'm not being i'm I'm not trying to diss him or anything like that but he's he's never done one for real like so he doesn't even sometimes when i see him put it on it's not even done right but yet they use him as the 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 picture for the finishing hold (laughs) and i'm the one that created it and and did it for real (laughs) So I don't, I, like I said, those are the, those are the kind of things. And it's not like they've corrected it or done it and changed it and tried to make sure people understand where it came from. No, they keep trying to bury it. Yeah. Like they want Kurt to be the one that created it. <laughs> it's like, no matter how much they do that, it's never going to happen because history always rises to the top. People will always know where something comes from, it won't go away. So whatever they're trying to do, and I, I think I know who it is, it's not, it, you can't change that. It's childish, man. Well, I think it's just a matter of time. It's not uh, an if, it's a when will you be in the WWE Hall of Fame, whether that's in a year or two or five or 10, I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, there's enough people there that <clears throat> have respected what I've done um, in the pro wrestling, um, I know Vince, uh, I respect Vince and I don't think Vince has an issue with me. Um, you know, but Vince is also turning a lot of the stuff over to other people to run nowadays too. So it's not like he's the one out there calling the shots all the time. He's kind of trying to assist in a lot of areas, but he's not really calling the shots. Uh, Although if he wants to, he can. (laughs) Uh, This has been a rumor for a long time. So I'm interested to hear what your answer is. This comes from Derek Raffanello. In relation to the Montreal screw job, can you tell us if you were in the mix to win the WWE championship from Bret Hart as a substitute for Shawn Michaels? Well, here, listen, this is what I know. Um, that Brett said to me, um, Brett told me that he, he, he wanted to work with me. He wanted to have a program with me to drop the strap to me. Um, and that's what I thought was moving forward. Um, I didn't know anything else that was going on. So whatever was going on between Vince and and Sean and, and, and himself, I didn't know. Brett never said anything bad about Vince to me. He never said anything bad to me about Shawn Michaels ever. 
all he ever said to me was that he really wanted to work with me because he thought we could have some great matches. And I agreed with us, man, yeah, I think so. Cause he's a great worker and being able to tie my submission holes in with his submission holes, a sharpshooter, all that stuff. Yeah. I thought it would have been tremendous, but um, I was actually there when that screw job happened. And I was very, very disappointed <clears throat> because I felt like, the whole time we were, at least me, when I came into it, I was told to, to trust people and that the only way things get over is both you go in there and you have to trust one another. you got to put matches together and work together and get along with each other. And so I bet my reputation on that. And I went in there and I started trusting people and they had to trust me sure. because I, I was who I was. And so I had to, to go up and, and be and shake the hands and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm here learning. I know I'm just starting out, you know you know, let's, let's figure out how this works out. Show me what I need to do, you know? And then that happened. And all of a sudden that trust in my head was like, Whoa, this, this isn't what I thought it was like that you can do that. I mean, and it came down from the top. And so I was a little bit disappointed uh, that it, that that happened because I felt like at that particular time, now that trust had been damaged. Mm. Right. Well, since we're talking about Bret Hart, this ties perfectly into this one from Mr. Premium 2002 with the super chat here. What are your memories of Owen? Yeah, he's a good guy. He was always he was always smiling. He was always cracking jokes, making fun, um, never too serious. And I thought he was a great worker. Um, he was just starting to come into his own, too. I thought he was just really starting to find his niche. Um, and so I, I was... I think that um, everybody was devastated when we lost Owen because he was that piece that we had that uh, everybody was would, knew they could talk to and have fun with and enjoy enjoy yourself. Nothing too serious, you know. You knew you could always trust him. He'd never go out partying and you know carry on. Um, he was always a professional. So I, yeah, I, he was he was one of those guys that you truly do miss. This is an interesting dream matchup question here this comes from josh in jesus or in jesus and jesus who would win in a fist fight in your prime between mike tyson and ken shamrock in a fist fight fist fight mike tyson would knock me clean out <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but if it was a street fight me <laughs> because i wouldn't give him a chance to punch me <laughs> MMA fight, you win that one, obviously, right? Oh, yeah. Listen, man, as a professional fighter, you know what your boundaries are, or you should know what your boundaries are. Fighting somebody who's done that and was the best in the world at it, um, he's trying to stand up with them, you, you, you don't you don't got a chance. There's just, you're just somebody's, it's like me going into somebody and saying a boxer coming in and he's going to fight in MMA, like um, James Tony or you know, any of those guys coming into MMA and they put them against Randy Couture. Yeah. Okay. If there's definitely 99.9% .9 of the chance that Randy's winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bibby 42. Thank you for the super chat says, I read a while back that you were born in Warner Robins. Are there any areas or stores you used to frequent as a kid in that area or in the Macon area? I live there currently. Big fan, by the way. Yeah. I, you know, I left Warner Robins, um, well, I think I was five or six years old. And uh, and so it wasn't 
in my memories, they were pretty stressed. So there wasn't a whole lot of places we, we went. Um, but I do have family there now. Uh, one of my brothers lives there, uh, Charles Kilpatrick. Um, and he's got a wife and some kids there. And so uh, we, we go up there frequently and, and visit. I was just up there, uh, what was it, six weeks ago um, with Impact, I think it was, or somewhere around there. We got to visit with them. They came to the show, so we had a good time together. Um, so, yeah, I do have family there, and um, I love it. I do. I got to go back and visit now and stuff like that, so I love being down in that Atlanta area. It's a great place to go. Well, thank you to everyone who's asking these questions. We're going to try to get to all of them. Uh, before the end of the hour, big thank you to Ken Shamrock for joining us for the world's most dangerous live Q&A. Scott Lucky asks, knowing you're one of the toughest guys ever, is Steve Blackman a real tough guy? Yes. Um, yeah, Steve Steve was a natural. I mean, he was just – he was one of those guys where he's like Owen, right? Straight-up business guy, good person. Um, if you knew him, uh, he was he was a good dude. He, you know, you could talk to him, he joked, joke, he had fun. But if you didn't know, know him, you didn't want to approach him. I mean, I mean, he had that look like, yeah, if you say the wrong thing to me, I'm going to put my fist to the back of your head. <laughs> and he probably could. Um, but but um, once you got to know him, man, he's a, he's a really good guy. Um, I enjoyed him. I spent a lot of time traveling with him and uh, we were good friends. Hmm. I don't know how much of AEW you're watching, but can you speak on the AEW product and your opinion of modern wrestling? versus the attitude era yeah I, I like aew i think that uh, they're very talented uh, it's a different type of wrestling right i mean you're you're almost going back to the japanese style stuff where there's but they're putting a little more selling into it but the moves there are these constant chain moves where everything is chain wrestling together um but and then you got wwf right um, where is they don't have enough of the chain wrestling, but they got the stories, the storylines. Right. And so it's almost like if you could put the two together, then you would have that attitude error. You would have the attitude. You would have the chain wrestling. You would have the storylines. You have the selling. You'd have the tough guys. I think the mixture of those two is what we're trying to get. Right. Yeah. I just signed on for the same video game that you signed on for, Virtual Basements Wrestling Game. Uh, Jeremy Stratton, who both of both you and I know very well, has asked, are you excited to be in their new wrestling game, Virtual Basement's new wrestling game? Yeah, Virtual Basement, we did a deal with them uh, a week ago, you know, two weeks ago, and um, I'm excited because, uh, you know, here's the thing. We, we always get the, to superstars, WWF, uh, but it seems like it's never we've never had a oh you know uh, independent wrestling a game where you can go out with your own local heroes or people around that you've been watching um, all the time not on TV but in person because they're traveling in your area you get to see them shake hands get autographs and now you get to have them on a game and you get to play that game and yeah. so for me it's a very exciting time in pro wrestling where you you have your superstars. And you have your independent wrestlers, and in my opinion, they're 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 all superstars. And so now the fans get an opportunity to really be able to even have them go against one another, be able to wrestle each other. And to me, that's a fun time in wrestling. 
you can actually have guys that you you know that maybe even you grew up with or went to school with or whatever yeah. but now you can actually play them on a video game yeah. so it's an exciting time in in uh in the video game industry well i just signed on i'm going to be the ring announcer for that game so it is going to be an honor to say shamrock <laughs> yes the godfather of pain <laughs> well only for that one match <laughs> this is an interesting throwback question here where does sakurabu rank on your all-time opponents he was alex chu who asked this question his favorite fighter one of his favorite fighters back in the day yeah i was a little disappointed when we fought because they called the match there was some funny stuff that went on because that's japan um, i grew up there i started there so i know what they do so you, you can't tell me i don't know because i do um, it was funny because they had water in his corner um, and I slipped on that. My foot went through the rope. He went to swing at me, didn't even really even land. And I slipped through the ropes, got right back up. And this was like the minute, two minutes into the fight. We haven't even gone to the ground yet. And the referee steps in and stops the fight. Hmm. So I never really got a chance to really get to get to, to go against him. Like I wanted to be able to have a fight against him. So I could really challenge him to see what, how, what his levels were. Um, and that didn't happen. So for that, I was really disappointed that I didn't get an opportunity to be able to continue to keep fighting there, and especially me being who I was, uh, for them to stop it that fast. There was a couple other fights in my career that people jumped the gun, especially the, in my later years. Um, they were really jumping in quick on me. And, I, and it, just very disappointing knowing the character that I have yeah. knowing some of the battles that I've gone through that I don't know how to take care of myself. And I don't know when I'm hurt yeah. and, and a referee standing on way away from me. That's not in my body knows more than I do. Um, that, that was very, very disappointing. And uh, yeah, I would have, like I said, I have some in my career that I'm very disappointed in and he, that's one of them right up there with it. Huh. Well, we're getting questions here from MMA, WWE, Impact Wrestling, UFC, all across the board, video games. Here's one from Kyle Conzi who says, if you were offered a future match at WrestleMania, who would you like to have a program with to lead up to that match? Oof. I think we all know who we'd like to see that UFC versus UFC guy with. Yeah, you know, that was one one. And then I've got Goldberg. I would love to have one with him. A lot of people complain that he's too rough or, or used to. That's perfect for me. Like me and Van Vader, you know, I think that we could have great matches because both of us love to work that way. Um, I think that Brock Lesnar, obviously, um, with us coming from the same kind of road, um, if you say. And I thought we could have great matches. Um, Kurt Angle was another one we never got to do, which was the ankle lock match. Um, I thought that would have been tremendous. Um, and there's like a lot of other ones do make sense. Bret Hart. And I just don't understand how that, how that never materialized. We were both there at the same time. We both wanted it yeah. and it just never, it never came about. I didn't understand that one either. Um, but you know, but I, but, but I can't, I can't, can't complain too much because I got to work with guys like Shawn Michaels. I did get to work with Bret Hart. I did get to work with, you know, big, 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 big show. Um, I got to work with a lot of guys, all the top stars, and then run a program with The Rock. Um, and we had great matches. So I can't say as I was, you know, I can't really complain that much. But again, like I said, if you look back on it and you're going, well, if you could have done something, you know, those are the ones I wish would have happened. 
Yeah, well, and and now I like you said, I think you versus Brock is a match that still could possibly happen. Yeah, you know, I I truly believe with where I'm at right now in 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 my life and with my body and the way I feel, I feel like I could you know really put on a great show. Um, I think that's a match that would definitely uh, love to happen. Uh, but again, like I said, um, sometimes there's just things that you don't know uh, that are underneath the surface that's not going to allow it to happen. And I don't know what that is either, but it, to me, it doesn't make sense that it doesn't happen. So, but whatever it is, that's on, that's something I don't know about and I can't control. Well, this one's from Jacob, who's joining us in my home country of Canada. Thank you for the super chat, Jacob. Considering you were one of the first MMA fighters to go to wrestling, is MMA's skill set easily transferable to the wrestling ring? Uh, it is. But it's also you have to be able to um, transition from that um, shoot style mm -hmm. into the entertainment style. And um, I think that's the tricky part is being able to do these moves and put these holds on <clears throat> um, without hurting somebody. But at the same time, um, you can't help it because the way the moves are, you know, if somebody rolls the wrong way or, or does something stupid uh, trying to get out of it when they shouldn't, then, you know, yeah, it, you, you could hurt yourself. So there's a lot of that that is very, very um, tricky to transition into pro wrestling. But if you're really good at it, you can do it. So many great questions in this Q&A. Quick time out to thank our sponsor, Bet Online. And with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might be thinking, there's nothing to bet on. What are you talking about? Well, you'd be wrong because our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Las Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. It's all open 24 hours a day, and it's all online including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props or entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices. You can even bet on the weather. Visit their website, betonline.ag, and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just make sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online. It's your online wagering experts. Now let's get back to the world's most dangerous Q&A. I've seen a few of these, so I, I'm interested as well. Um, are you still training with the Lion's Den? No, no, I'm not training with the Lion's Den. I, I still have the Lion's, uh, the, the domain of the Lion's Den. I still have control over that. Um, but I don't, I don't do that because right now where I'm at is basically building my own businesses um, I feel like running in the gym, I had to get out of it, uh, because there was, you know, especially if we see all these turnkey gyms, anytime fitness, you know, all these gyms that are really easy and they're like nine ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine. in order to do an MMA gym, you got to pay trainers, boxing trainers, coaches, MMA trainers, fitness trainers. Um, you've got to have people there that are going to be able to guide people. Um, without getting hurt because these things are dangerous when you're actually running people in that don't know what they're doing and you're training them. 
Um, so you can't just let them go in and do it on their own like you can with weights. Right. And so people are a lot more um, uh, they, they're actually going more towards that fitness market uh, with bikes and weights and stuff, cardios, yogas, stuff like that, instead of the actual boxing or kickboxing and grappling. Anybody that's going into that usually has a mindset of wanting to do it. And most of them, uh, when they're trying to do it, are spending their money on diet and food. Um, and then they have to get people to train them and then spend money on training them. Um, so and there's really no industry right now uh, for that MMA market and the MMA gyms other than if you have a big chain like the UFC, then you can get away with it. Right. But for me, it's really about taking the name and the, and the, you know, the name that I had built and being able to use that towards opportunities to build big businesses, for instance, like Valor BK. Um, where I own it, um, me and, uh, and two other guys that own that, uh, we're moving forward and building something like that uh, because the the net profit is is a lot better than running a gym. Mm -hmm. um, so I look at the the net profits and the different things going into stuff that when I get to be 80 years old um, and I want to stop doing everything. You're maybe, not going to stop. Come on. Maybe, <laughs> that that I built a nice nest egg for my kids and my grandkids and great grandkids built them a, an empire. Right. So there's been, uh, you know, a handful of guys who have gone from MMA to pro wrestling. There's only been a few that have done the opposite pro wrestling into MMA. Jake Hager is one of them. So Jungle Traveler 0012 wants to know your thoughts on Jake Hager's MMA matches. Yeah, I haven't followed too much, but um, I think people fail to realize that I went from pro wrestling into MMA. Um, I was known as uh, Vince Torelli working in North Atlantic Pro Wrestling and South Atlantic Pro Wrestling, and also in Japan, uh, I was Vince Torelli. And so that I was doing pro wrestling before I ever even heard of MMA. So I am actually a guy that came from pro wrestling into MMA. So, um, But I'm, I'm, I'm happy for guys that are able to do that. It's not easy. It really isn't easy. Um, to, pro wrestling is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, And, uh, and I'm not talking about physically, even though that's a part of it, but there's the mental aspect of it. There's also the aspect of trying to, to um, work on storylines and people to believe what it is you're doing. And uh, there's just so much to it. And then actually the bumps that you take, yeah. people don't understand, man. That's like being in a, you're, you're in a, a, a fender bender um, seven or eight times every 10 days. That's what it's like. It's like being in a car accident, not a big one, but like a fender bender. Um, every, every seven, eight times, uh, every 10 days, because you're taking those bumps and your body's getting slammed and thrown and, and kicked and dropped. And it's just your, your organs on inside are taking that pounding. And so it's a tough go, man. It's something, um, that I've always tried to get people to understand when they talked about MMA and pro wrestling, which one was tougher. Yeah. I always say pro wrestling because in MMA, I was good. I was able to finish fights in a minute, two minutes. And I didn't take as much punishment. So um, it was that was harder for me. Is there anything in the wrestling ring now at 56 that you can't do, you know, in the late, you know, 20 years ago? Yeah, you know, I can't uh, can't take pile drivers. You know, I can't. So things that I can't have people do to me. Okay. But there's not much stuff that I can't do um, 
you know, like I can do hurricanas, you know, I can do dives over the top rope. I can do, you know, kicks and drop kicks, you know, anything. I can do anything. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate, you know, uh, to be able to be doing the things that I do with the injuries that I've had. But I've always been one of those kind of guys that healed quickly. I healed good. Uh, but I was very, very, uh, very physical, too, on my rehab. I always got in when I was very aggressive. Uh, with my rehab to make sure that I was at 100% coming back out. This is from LOL. Thank you for the super chat. How did your workout change from MMA to WWF? Well, uh, well, that's kind of what I was talking about now. Um, it, yeah, that's a great question, too, because I just went through that with talking with people on social media, trying to find gyms to work out at. People are like, well, yeah, you know, you could do the Lions Den workout. And I was like, man, I'm trying to put muscle on. I'm trying to put size on. I'm trying to get stronger. I can't do that with these cords and, you know, all these other things on. And then they were talking about, you know, getting sandbags and, 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 and lifting a, a cement buckets. And, and I'm like, yeah, but it's snowing outside. <laughs> it's like, I'd have to, but there's nowhere to walk. There's nowhere to like it. So it was kind of tough because it really is it the, the training is different because you're you're more wanting to be um cardio shape um in in fighting and also have some strength and flexibility and in pro wrestling you want to have strength and muscle but you also want to have cardio so uh, in fighting you want to be a little bit leaner so that you're a little bit more flexible mm -hmm. um and in pro wrestling uh, because the guys are so much bigger um, you want to make sure that you have a little more muscle, a little bit more strength with flexibility and cardio. I think this is a really interesting, interesting question here, and I'm interested to see what you say. Khabib versus Tony, who's your pick to win? Oh, man, Khabib, um, until somebody beats him. <laughs> kind of like, it's kind of like Conor McGregor, right? I mean, uh, until somebody beats him. you got to pick the guy that's winning, that's dominating, because I didn't see anybody that, the challenges Khabib right now, and I'm a sh I'm just, I mean, I get what Khabib's doing, and I understand it. Not fighting Conor McGregor because he already beat him once, and Conor hasn't earned it because of the stuff that he's doing outside the ring. I understand that. Um, it's it's just like John Jones, right? I mean, when are they gonna when are they gonna stop John Jones from doing what he's doing? Because all all they're doing is enabling this guy to turn out into something bad because their consequences are not bothering because there is none. The same with uh, Conor McGregor. I think Conor uh, is a little bit different. I don't think Conor is as bad as Jones. No way. Um, so, But there's there's got to be those kind of things that happen. And I think what Khabib's trying to do is lay that foundation on why should a guy get another shot at mm -hmm. something if he's not if he's embarrassing the company, if he's out doing things that is not good for the company. Why would I give a guy a shot like that when I've already beat him and he hasn't towed the line and been responsible? So I get what what's happening on that. But really, if you look at it, Khabib and Greg McGregor are the best fighters in the world right now, at least yeah. in my opinion. And um, I'd love to see that fight, but I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against what Khabib's doing. Um, but, but it would be nice to see that fight if Connor could, could um, get himself in the right position and and, yeah. and and do the right things to get that fight to happen. I think the fans want to see it. I want to see it. 
Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We've had a few questions here about wrestling training, one from LPD Ninja and another one here also from Scorpion King 116. Thank you both for the super chat. This one from Scorpion King 116 says, Mr. Shamrock, you are one of the reasons I started watching wrestling when I was a kid. Any advice for someone who wants to get back into the squared circle? Yeah, I don't know because the question doesn't really tell me a whole lot because I don't know where you're at. I don't know how old you are. I don't know what, you know, what your situation is, like as far as your physical body. But I would say this, definitely go in and practice. Um, do some things that – or at least try to put yourself in a position to do some things that you did when you were younger if you wrestled before. Um, if you're a first-timer and you want to go in and wrestle, I think get with a reputable trainer. Um, get some matches under your belt, uh, train for at least a year, uh, so that you're getting the psychology down, getting the bumps down, getting all the little things that, that are necessary to put a match together down, uh, and then go in and just have a solid match. Don't try to do things that you're not comfortable with. Always stay with a solid wrestling match, headlock takeovers, um, covers and pins, um, the proper way to cover and pin. Um, and simple wrestling moves like uh, duck unders, takedowns, headlocks, um, arm bars, uh, arm drags, all those little things that are simple that you put a simple match together, put a nice solid wrestling match together, and then you could build off of that. And I think a lot of people don't take into account the fact that you should be in the gym. If you want to be a pro wrestler, it's so important to have that cardio, so important to be lifting weights, which ties into LPD Ninja, who says he doesn't have the money to go to a wrestling school right now. I'd say get into the gym and just start lifting weights. Yeah, I mean, things um, things always kind of mountains and valleys uh, in, in, in life, right? You're, you're Sometimes you're down. Sometimes you're up. And so when you're in the down stuff, you got to figure out ways to keep yourself in a position to take advantage of the mountains. You know, when you get up, you got to be able to make sure that you're in position to be able to take advantage of those up times. And the way you do that is when you're in those down times is do whatever you can to stay in a position to be successful. So in this situation, you don't have the money to be able to go to a wrestling school. So you go out there and you do a road work, which is running, uh, put a, put a weight vest on. If you don't have a weight vest on, you know, carry water jugs, um, whatever it is that you can, you can make a lot of stuff, yeah. um, to get, to get yourself going. Um, and then get, if it's not, if you can't afford weights in a gym, then you do squats, body squats, jump squats, push-ups, pull-ups at the park, um, there's so many different things that you could do to just keep your body fit and ready to go when you have the opportunity, because every one of us um, always goes through mountains and, and valleys. And so when you're in those valleys, man, you got to figure out how to stay up, you know, at least put yourself in, in your valley, put yourself in position to when you're on top of the mountain to be able to take advantage of those times. Well, it's been great having the world's most dangerous live Q&A here with the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. About 15 minutes left, so please keep those questions, those super chats coming in here. Talking about people going from MMA to wrestling, Mitchell Hagenson wants to know your thoughts on Ronda Rousey joining WWE. Yeah, I think it's awesome. thought she did a great job, too. Um, I love it when people come in and they challenge themselves to do something different. I've always thought that, <clears throat> and some people make it and some people don't, but 
Here's the thing that I'm disappointed in is when somebody does try it and the fans just crash on them. Mm. Like now all of a sudden they're not as good as they are in pro wrestling. Like nobody wants to see them in pro wrestling anymore because they weren't successful in MMA. But why? I don't understand that. This guy, guys and girls who have gone over and crossed over into whether it's the opposite from MMA into pro wrestling, pro wrestling and MMA. Why hate on them? Because mm. in my opinion, they're much, much, in my opinion, I would appreciate them much, much more because they tried something different. They threw themselves out there. They put themselves in um, a bigger pond with bigger fish and with them not having the experience that they had in the other. But yet they jumped in and said, hey, it's a dream of mine. I want to try it. Mm-hmm. And they fail at it. Doesn't make them any less of what they were doing that made them the superstar in the first place. So I would say, man, give give it a break, man. Guys go and girls go and try things, man. You should be able to pat them on the backs. Hey, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have been able to jump in there and do something like that because ninety times spent ninety ninety percent of the people in the world cannot do that. They can't jump into something new and be successful. Right. So why would we hate on somebody that tries it and then doesn't do it? Yeah. <clears throat> My friend and actually college roommate, Alex Chu, says, I heard there was supposed to be a fight between you and Frank Shamrock. What happened with that? Yeah, I mean, there were some things that went on early on um, that were me and my brother were supposed to fight, and it just never, it never came up. Um, maybe probably best for me, but he might have beat me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't matter. I always say this, don't matter how mad you are, you still can't take away – the best man, whoever's going to win. I don't care how angry you are. You can't change that. Um, but he was, he was good. You know, he was good. Uh, and especially at that time in his life um, where he, in, in my opinion, he had beaten Tito Ortiz. Um, you know, he was pound for pound at that time. And I think it was 170. I think it was mm-hmm. um, that, or maybe it was 185. 185 I think, yeah. Yeah. 185. Um, that, that he was pound for pound. The, you know, the best you couldn't, nobody could beat him. So there was a time in there where, where Frank rose to that level. Um, but for whatever reason, that fight did not happen. And, um, you know, who knows what would have happened, you know, but, um, I'm kind of glad now I'm sitting where I'm sitting right now. And it didn't, um, because it might've, it might've really hurt our relationship, uh, that couldn't have been mended. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's pretty cool to, that it, whatever reason it didn't happen. So I'm not, I'm not sad about that. Yeah. We're getting some great questions here. So please keep these coming in. Now there are 12 minutes here with the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. Marcus Lynch asks, did you design the lion's den cage for WWE? And what was your input for that match? And what style did they want that match to be more MMA or more wrestling? Yeah, I had a say in it um, of my thought, what I thought it should look like. Um, I didn't put the weapons in, though. <laughs> so they, they hung those weapons at the top after the first couple times we used it to make it more exciting for Steve Blackman. <laughs> he got to get his kendo stick and beat the tar out of me. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, uh, I enjoyed being a, pro- a part of that, the process of that. It was fun. Um, it was challenging because it's not like you can slide out of the ring. Um, and you had to work off of something that wasn't going to bounce you off. You had to actually go up on it. Yeah. Um, and so it was really fun. Uh, the guys that I worked with, C. Blackman, Owen Hardy, Vince McMahon, 
um, it was a lot of fun and we enjoyed it because it was something that was different. Um, I brought something different to the world of wrestling. Um, just like when I first stepped in the ring, I brought something different to the world of pro wrestling. And now we see it everywhere in pro wrestling. But um, it was it was fun. And I was really, really happy to be a part of that and be able to challenge the fans on how they watch pro wrestling. And mm-hmm. we see it today, man. It's got Ken Shamrock and everything written all over it now. We see uh, your arms a little off camera here, and you're obviously insanely jacked. So <laughs> Jay wants to know, what's your diet look like? Well, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm like, I kind of watch it, but I, I'm not I'm not crazy strict on it. I just want to make sure I'm getting three to four meals in a day along with um, a pretty good – two good snacks. Um, so six six supplements – um, that I'm taking count as, uh, as meals snacks too, because you're talking about cans of tuna fish, you know, um, uh, uh, fruit, you know, fruit, carrots, stuff like that. That could be snacks, um, different things like that, that I jump in there, throw in there, even like fish, like I can throw a fish on that's a snack, you know, because it's not a square meal. So there's like, I got two snacks in there. Like if I get hungry, I can go ahead and put together. Uh, some stuff in there that like, for instance, fruit and, and carrots and celery and different things like that, that I, I can call even peanuts, stuff like that, that I can call as a snack. It's not a meal. Right. But I'm still getting some, some supplements from it. Um, but, but I get three square meals and we're talking about big meals, um, you know, pastas. <clears throat> I talk about the vegetables, uh, talking about protein, whether it be steak or chicken or turkey, <clears throat> just to make sure that I'm getting those three square meals. And then after that, I can eat, you know, if I want a bowl of ice cream, I have a bowl of ice cream. Um, I, I, I don't stay strict on that because as long as I'm getting all those, those meals in the rest of it doesn't matter for me. You're, you're some sort of a, a freak or anomaly then. <laughs> yeah. Drink a beer or eat uh, you know pizza or ice cream. And you know, there go the abs. Yeah. I, I, for whatever reason, man, my body's just leaned up um, and I haven't really done anything different, you know, other than you know, just get older. So I guess I'm pretty fortunate. But at the same time, if I was to stop working out like it's happening, yeah. um, I can lose my size very quickly mm. um, because I have a fast metabolism. Since you're such a tough guy with a tough reputation, Josh wants to know, in your opinion, is Haku as tough as his reputation? Yeah, Haku's, I wouldn't want to face him in an alley. No way. <laughs> um, no, it's like, it'd be like shooting and trying to take somebody down. That's like, it'd be like hitting a wall. <laughs> his legs go into his neck. So there's, there's, there's nothing you could do, nothing you could grab to take to the ground. <laughs> so, now, I respect the guy. I do. I, I met him. He's a very nice guy. Um, I, I would never want to fight the guy just because I have respect for him. I think he's a great man. Um, but yeah, give him his due, man. Give him his credit. He's he, in his time, man. He proved himself. Yeah. Dealt with asks, who's your favorite friend or who's your closest friend uh, in your wrestling days? Oh man. Um, yeah, I would have to say Steve Blackman was the one I traveled with a lot. We, we traveled together a lot. Um, yeah, I, I, that's what I would say. Steve Black was the, one, the guy I traveled with the most. 
he was the closest to me. This is actually an interesting one. Pro Football Central says, or Pro Football Central says, can you talk about when China, when you called China a kitchen? <laughs> Funniest moment ever on the mic. <laughs> called her a what? A kitchen. A kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> I think I was just afraid. <laughs> That's another tough person, right? Yeah, I think I was afraid, didn't know what to say. <laughs> You kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, this is an interesting one here. Can you can you describe the program that you ran with Dwayne Johnson? Who? The Rock. Oh, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, okay. What did you say though? What was it? I said Dwayne Johnson. Oh, I thought I thought you said something else, man. It was. Um, yeah, no, we had a great relationship. Uh, we ran a program together. A great guy to work with. Uh, he was just he was really struggling. And then when me and him got together, we just, man, for whatever reason, we worked well together. We built each other's characters up, um, and we were strong during that time. We put on some of the best matches on the card, and it was, and we were both trying to, to make that move to that next level. Um, and I thought we did both did a great job at helping each other out do that. And um, I was very grateful, very, very grateful uh, to be able to work with him and have that time with him. And uh, and to see what he's done now, man, I'm proud of him. Yeah, he's he's succeeding at the highest level now. You know, since we yeah. talked about diet a little bit, my girlfriend Elena Martella is in here, and she asks, "What's your favorite cheat meal?" Oh, my favorite cheat meal. Well, I don't know. It depends on what you call a cheat meal because I eat spaghetti too, and I don't know if that's a to me that's not a cheat meal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would I, I would say a cheat meal for me is that I'm a big popcorn guy. It's not a meal. Um, it's more of a, a snack, I guess. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I love popcorn. I can't seem to stay away from popcorn. Um, I love candy, I, uh, but I have to watch what I we would do with the candy. So um, I hate to tell people because then they're all gonna go, man, that ain't fair. But I'm really not. Like I said, I don't. I, I'm not um, really strict. On that, so when people say, "What's your cheat meal?" I say, "Well, I got I, I get one every day." <laughs> <laughs> we have about five minutes left here, so let's try to get through uh, as many of these as we can here. Eric wants to know: Do you think your style would have worked in ECW? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, man, when we talked to me about me being the Godfather of Pain, <laughs> I I don't get going. Uh, I mean, I don't feel that adrenaline until I feel pain. I need it. Like okay. I got to have it. It's like, I need it. And so that hardcore uh, wrestling stuff, man, I'm glad I didn't because I probably have scars all over my body because I would, I would not have, I would not, have, I wouldn't have shied from it because that's just me. My character is to push the envelope and I would have pushed the envelope. And um, so, but yeah, I think I would have done tremendous at that. Well, look, you'd be great at whatever you wanted to do. That's the kind of mindset that you have. Well, I, I, my mindset is, is that if I'm challenged, I will be better at you than you. I will make sure that I'm the best. Mm -hmm. Josh asks, how much fun was that segment where McMahon had you restrained, then you busted free and McMahon went running away down the ramp? Always one of my favorites, he says. That was funny, too, because I wasn't supposed to break out of that. 
<laughs> I literally almost knocked somebody out with the, the when I because they had they had a lock on it, and when I pulled it, the seams on it busted out of it, and that lock stayed hooked to it. And when I swung my arm out, it was like a it was like a lead ball on the end of a chain, and it missed the camera people as they were trying to shoot me when I went like that. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't realize that was going to happen. And so when I busted out of it, I literally almost killed somebody with the lock that was on the end of that sleeve. Wow. Uh, here's uh, one from Kevin who says, what was your favorite thing about working with the big boss man? That was fun. Um, I got to work with him uh, and he was another good dude. I, I mean, obviously he was a different person then. I, I heard things early on in his career it was a little bit different, but he had definitely changed his life around. He was doing everything right. We got together at that time, and we were able to do some um, uh, tag team together, and it really was a really good time uh, for us. And we ever we even got to capture the straps too. It was a fun time. He was a great guy. I enjoyed working with him. Genuinely a nice person, and uh, and I really enjoyed working with him. And he was a good hand too for being a big guy. He was very quick. Feet. He had good feet. Hmm. Um, and he moved really well for, for a big guy like he was. And his character was awesome at the time. You know, I loved his character, you know. But, um, you know, unfortunately, he passed away because I thought he had a lot more good years in him. Here's one from Andrew uh, who says, how does it feel knowing you were the special guest referee for one of the greatest matches of all time, Austin versus Brett in that submission match? Yeah, I... <clears throat> There's a story behind that because I remember when I did it, I wasn't sure whether or not I, I could do that, right? I mean, I, I've come from this fight world. Uh, I did a little bit of this pro wrestling before, but I was it's been so long, right? And I remember when they put me in there to, to, to match this event, I was like, man, I don't know if I can pretend. <laughs> and I don't know if, if I want to do this. Like, I don't know if I, I want to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I went and said, okay, I'm just going to do it. You know, we'll see what happens, whatever, you know? So I go in there and, and we, we start the match and we're probably two or three minutes in. And I literally forget that this is a wrestling match. I'm like, these guys are going after one another. Like I didn't have to pretend. I mean, they were snug. They were, they were, they were beating the hell out of each other, man. I'm serious. They were going at it. The stuff they were saying to one another. I was like, okay, <laughs> I just ref it like an MMA fight because <laughs> these guys were going after each other, man. It was, I mean, and I was up close to it. I, I mean, I was right there yeah. and I could not, and I don't even know if it was, and I don't even know, maybe they did get mad at one another. I don't know, but I know it felt real. They beat the tar out of each other. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to end things with one more question here. I appreciate your time, Ken. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. We've been some great questions here, both on YouTube and Facebook. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for the super chats as well. Daniel's curious to know, what's the worst bump or injury that you've ever taken? Oh, I would have to say, and I don't remember – but maybe it was the rock. I don't remember for sure, but I took a bump and I'd actually tore my lung. Um, and uh, I started coughing up blood 
and uh and 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 I, but and then i kept going it's it was like i went in and i did the rest of the shows that we had in the week and i kept getting worse like i was choking every time i take a bump it felt like my lung was filling up with fluid and so after we did the tour i went and had a doctor uh, check it out and and did some x-rays uh did an uh whatever that thing is where they they can see real clear in there an mri i think it was or something and and I remember they came back and said, hey, man, you got a tear, a tear, a teardrop or something like that. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, you have a teardrop in your lung. And I was like, he goes, you, you, you tore your lung. <laughs> he said, did you get in a car accident or, or did you fall from some, some scapples or something? Because this is normally what happens when someone takes a big fall. They lungs rip open and they end up filling up with blood and they choke to death. And I was like, wow. I've been choking, but I'm a pro wrestler. And he goes, okay, that's it. <laughs> he goes, yeah, you, 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 uh, you tore your lung and you're going to have to take uh, some time off to let it heal back up again. Because if you don't, it's going to stay open and you're going to drown on your own blood. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh my so, God. Yeah. So it was, it, that was the most uncomfortable I felt was when I was doing that. And it felt like every time I took a bump, it felt like I was starting to choke. Like my lungs were feeling up, filling up with fluid. Well, that's what it was, was that I ended up tearing my lung from a big slam I took. Uh, I don't know if it was a slam. It, I don't even remember. I just remember that's what they told me. And I don't remember what actual bump or what slam it was that caused it. But I thought it was when I was with The Rock. I'm not sure. Wow. Well, I mean, if we already didn't think you were the toughest man on the planet, I think that we now think that after hearing that you tore your lung and then kept working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a badass you are. It's amazing. I don't know if you, you, you say that's a badass. I think you call that stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that too. Uh, it's a pleasure hanging out with you, Ken. It's uh, at Ken Shamrock Official on Instagram, at Shamrock Ken on Twitter. And thank you, everyone, for asking these great questions for these super chats. And, Ken, thank you for spending the last hour hanging out with us. Hey, I appreciate you guys. And, listen, I know we're all stuck at home and, you know, we've got nothing to do. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot. I'm on Facebook a lot. I'm also talking about the stuff that's going on in the world. So if you guys want to come in and chat and talk about it, insult me on my thoughts and my beliefs i'm welcome to that <laughs> but don't get don't get angry and mad and tell me that you're gonna you're gonna unfriend me now because that hurts me <laughs> unfriend ken the world's most dangerous man ken shamrock thank you again my friend yeah i appreciate you guys thank you the world's most dangerous q a with the world's most dangerous man there you go. Thanks for hanging out with me and Ken and being a part of this. Please take a screenshot. Tag both of us. Let us know what you thought of this one. Some great questions in there. And I was I was such a big Ken Shamrock fan in the late 90s when he was part of the corporation. If only I could go back in a Back to the Future, Marty McFly-style time machine into my high school and talk to that version of CVV and let him know that we'd be able to hang out with Ken Shamrock for an hour and ask him literally anything, it would just be mind-blowing. Oh, it's mind-blowing right now to think about that. So a big thank you to Ken, and a big thank you to Ken's manager and my friend, Jeremy Stratton, for setting up this interview and making it happen. It was one of six live Q&As that we did on my YouTube channel. 
And I'm going to keep uploading them here one by one, along with the interviews that we're doing. We're doing at least at least one of those interviews a week right now. The next one that we have coming up here is Matt Taven, and it's a good one. It's coming up on Thursday, so keep an eye out for that one. And then some other ones I think that you guys will really appreciate. Like, uh, we're going overseas for the next two interviews that we're doing after this one. I might as well tell you. The next two interviews after Matt Taven are Simon Miller and Will Ospreay. Can't wait. Oh, they're going to be so good. Since he's the world's most dangerous man, I figured we'd find a quote about danger. This comes from Machiavelli, who says, Never was anything great achieved without danger. Never was anything great achieved without danger. We'll see you Thursday for my one-on-one with Matt Taven.